Never give in. Never give in. Never, never, never. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. Socialists don't like ordinary people choosing, for they might not choose socialism. We cannot afford to be so politically correct anymore. Conservative One with George Christensen. G'day, I'm George Christensen, host here at Conservative One, the podcast defending traditions and freedom. And uh, we've got a great guy on this evening. He's part of actually the platform that this show is on, uh, The Good Source, which if you haven't uh, had a look at yet, go to goodsource.news, but hopefully you're watching it from The Good Source platform. Uh, the person who I'm speaking about has been a uh, champion defender of, of Australian values He's been involved in politics a long time. Uh, he's often attacked from the left by some of the very, very things that they, uh, by people on the left who are doing the very things that often the people on the left attack others for, and that is um, uh, racism. I've got to say, uh, here's Warren Mundine, uh, great man. Uh, mate, I think we were touting you at one time as potential future Governor-General. Hopefully that's not off the not off the list. Uh, but how are you going, Warren? I'm going great. Yeah, thanks for having me, George, and uh, thanks for that uh, uh, for that introduction. You know, you know, I should get you to do my eulogies. <laughs> well, mate, um, you've done uh, so much for uh, the advancement of Indigenous Australia, but. Um, personally, I mean, in the businesses that you have operated, what you've sought to do uh, to advance the cause and the economic welfare and well-being of Indigenous people, we see something that you're very passionate about. But, mate, I've noticed uh, in your career since you started speaking up against the Labor Party when you're in it, when you're in the upper echelons of the Labor Party, uh, and then you left, basically they've just, uh, the left have just come at you. Uh, and I know that you're sort of you sort of embraced it somewhat, but uh, you know you've even had people saying the the horrible words Uncle Tom, which uh, is just such a racist slur. But how, it must have been fairly personal the attacks that you've uh, gone through in that regard. So how do you deal with it? Oh, that's a good question. It was uh, it, it can be very tough, uh, and. Uh, you know, and it is very personal, and that's how they operate. Uh, you know, I just find it quite interesting that uh, the very issue that they talk about with their anti-racist and, and and more about equality and that, then they then if you and they want people to to to, to be self-determining and make their own decisions, but when you do, uh, uh, then uh, then they just they just attack you with that very language which they say that sh people shouldn't be using and should be outlawed. Right. Uh, it, uh, at first, it didn't worry me too much. I just sort of ignored it. But funny thing is, a lot of it I didn't know about because it was always out there in that social media area and I wasn't quite in there. So uh, and then when I started getting involved in the social media area, you just it, it, I just realised how just dreadful it is. And, and, it's, um, yeah. and, and it, it did affect me. I can't say I didn't. People probably remember uh, 12 months, uh, not that long ago, where my wife found me in the backyard in the rain, uh, laying on the ground, and I felt really, 
uh, you know, just depressed about the attacks and everything like that. But what I decided after that, I, I was listening to a few uh, African-Americans uh, who were conservatives in the Republican Party and how they talk. And uh, and then I, I contacted them and, and had a chat to them. And really? and uh, they they just said, embrace it. And, and then once I did that, I once I relaxed and embraced it, you know, like one of my webinars for the source, mm. the good source, is that um, was this thing, Uncle, and I took it, took it for the title from the Larry Elder uh, uh, documentary, Uncle Tom. And I said, we called it Uncle Tom, and we found this photo uh, that someone put out on uh, attacking me, and it had uh, Prince William and Prince uh, uh, Duchess uh, Kate, and they take the, took the head of Duchess Kate, put uh, Jacinta Price's head on, and put my head on Prince William, and then they, wow. and, and they had this thing, the King and Queen of Coconut Island. So that's what we called the webinar. We called it uh, Uncle Tom and the King and Queen of uh, Coconut Island, uh, which is a very racist attack on you, like you're, you're black on the or brown on the outside, but uh, you're you're white on the inside. Now. I just, this incredible racism that so I said okay we'll embrace that we'll be the king and queen of coconut island and we'll just toss it uh, toss it back at you yeah, yeah well good on you do you mind if I ask uh, or uh, I guess do you wonder if the people who you reached out to would mind if I asked who did you reach out to and the Republicans well look the people I, I looked at was was how uh, Tim Scott Senator Tim Scott what a great man he is. And then I've, I've read across these amazing other guy, people like John James in the United States. He's running for the Senate in Michigan, and uh, and he's a uh, amazing guy. He tells this. I, I just sat there and listened to him telling his story of his family, uh, five generations from slavery. You know, he's, 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 uh, there was a slave, then he had, and then he, then there was a uh, his great grandfather, and that was a. Um, uh, uh, you know, janitor, you know, cleaner, and that. And then he, then then his grandfather set up a, a, a got a truck and was delivering things. And then his father turned it into a trucking company. He worked for the trucking company for a while, and then he went into the went into the uh, uh, the uh, army, and he was a uh, a fighter, uh, a helicopter fighter, uh, oh, Black Hawk. Yeah. Black Hawk, amazing. It did several trips, uh, uh, terms in uh, Iraq and Afghanistan, and that. Uh, 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 retired from the army and uh, and was is running now for the Congress. Come back to his father's business, help still work with that, but now it's put his hand up for the Congress. And I hope he gets elected in in on in November because he is just an amazing guy. And the way he talked about and he said, you know, it's not only to embrace this, but also to uh, uh, to to don't don't make don't don't be uh, apologetic about what your achievements are. You know, people just to sit there and go, well, you're just you know, you know, some was fun, some it was serious and insults. You know, they go, oh, you're just a flash black, and look, you know, what do you know about this stuff? Well, first of all, they don't know where I come from, uh, and they don't know what how how my father and mother were, my grandparents, and that were. And uh, there's a great photo I keep uh, on in my house here of my father about 1916, 1917. He would have been about one year old, and uh, yeah, and he's on and he's and my grandfather is holding him, and and it is a, 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 an Aboriginal camp. You know they're living in humpies and stuff like that, and we've come from that from that area, and 
but my parents and grandparents made it quite clear to us that that you know they they were very religious, uh, simple people, um, and they and they believed in work. Work is a virtue. It's a holy thing, really, that you go out there and you work and you, you feed your family, you feed yourself, you look after yourself, and and you put a roof over the head of your family, and you and you actually um, and you build a better life for them. And that's what they did. My grandfather did for my parents, and my parents did for me. And I, and uh, and they taught me those things. You, five o'clock, the alarm clock goes off. You roll out of bed. You have a shave. You have it. Clean yourself up. Clean your teeth. Put your work clothes on off to work, and that's a simple philosophy that I always live with. Mm -hmm. So, Warren, you've made that sort of almost uh, unheard of transition mm. from being, uh, as I said, in the upper echelons of the Labor Party. You were the national vice president, weren't you? Yeah, and president, yeah. Two thousand seven. Yeah. Mm. Sorry. Uh, so you've gone from that to actually running. Uh, for the coalition, how does that how does that transition happen? How, how, how did how did it come about that you left the Labor Party? Uh, talk us through that. Uh, well, it, it's one of those funny things, you know. I remember Ronald Reagan made the comment that you know he, they say to him that he was a Democrat, and he, he and they said he left the Democrats to become a Republican, and he said he said that is it really the Democrats left him. And uh, and he he's always had this had his personal stance. And to be quite honest, that's what how I see things. You look at the Democratic Party in the United States. That is not the party that I uh, that I knew. And I was a kid growing up. You know, you hear about Kennedy and you hear about these great mm -hmm. achievements, LBJ and stuff like that. And and then by the time uh, Reagan come along, I was sort of in the same boat. I was always a uh, a conservative. Uh, I have a very conservative values in regard to family and 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 work and the way you do things and ha and that. Uh, but the uh, but I was also a very strong um, you know uh, uh, liberal democrat, if you'd like to call it, in in the sense of you know the, the free market, the uh, enterprise, uh, you know uh, entrepreneurship, and and uh, in a the only way you can move ahead is you know is the work. Uh, and to and to get educated and do things like that. So, so I was in the right wing of the Labor Party uh, in, in in New South Wales. Uh, unlike say Queensland or, or Victoria, the uh, of course I'm a Catholic background, and uh, uh, the Catholics left in Victoria and Queensland that because of the because of the links of the Labor Party to the Communists and uh, and the far left and. But in New South Wales, it was Cardinal Gilroy at the time, and he he kept the Catholics in the in the uh, Labor Party. And, and and it's really funny. I had a friend of mine who came over from Western Australia who considered himself in the right wing of the Labor Party in Western Australia, and he said to me, "I thought I was in the right wing of the Labor Party until I come to New South Wales, and then realised <laughs> I was in the left." And 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 you look at the people like John O. Johnson and all those type of people there. Uh, very very strong Catholics, very strong religious people, and and very strong about the working class. And I, I believe that the current Labor Party has forgotten those values of of you know uh, 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 making a better life for yourself. The working the working class person who who got out and saw virtue in work and saw virtue in hard work and and 
And, and of course, you know, you get a little bit of luck along the way as well. And, and running your own business and, and doing things, you, when you run your own business, you get bad luck sometimes. You, you, you almost look, you're sitting there thinking, God, how am I going to pay the bills? And then the other times, uh, yeah, you, you know, you get a little bit of luck and the next minute things are up there. But you always got to be out there working and, and working hard to get that luck uh, when it comes mm -hmm. along and get those opportunities that you get blessed with, yeah. And so, so that's why in the end I just sort of, it was really funny. I was sitting there with my wife and they send you the email and, and that says, you know, you know, click here and we'll take the money out of your, out of your credit card. And, and, uh, and I turned to the wife and I said, uh, you know, I, um, I'm not too sure I should do this again. And she said to me, she said, well, if you don't want to do it, don't do it. And so then I just walked away from the computer and didn't do it. <laughs> simple because as that. That was very, that's it. Uh, because I, I am about and this, of course, really, I was a bit about, uh, you know, the, the that period of the of the Labor Party, which is about uh, supporting the business, working with the business community, because you know I always believe that you know uh, you know if the if 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 the people you're working for ain't making a profit, then you ain't got a job, and so I always very, uh, so I wasn't into this very much socialist left type stuff, yeah. But let me push it a bit further. I mean, hmm. leaving the Labor Party is one thing, then to become a darling of conservatism, which you are, I hate to call you darling, but uh, but 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 you're faded. I mean, you're now, you're now somewhat a celebrity within the conservative circles in Australia. Uh, not somewhat, you are. Uh, and you're a candidate for uh, the Liberal Party. Um, that's a that's a long move from just not renewing a membership. So, uh, talk us yeah. through that aspect. Yeah, that, look, I, I, I sort of, I suppose I'm a, I, I'm a very simple guy, and I, I don't have this like this big philosophy, uh, strong change. I'm just, a, I, I see myself as a, as a as a worker, as a as an Australian, and I see that I see those values and culture. Of being an Australian, uh, you know, I just love love Australia. It's, it's look, we're, we're the best country in the world. I know the Americans say it all the time, but you know, I I got to say, you, you'd be hard pressed to find a better country than Australia. You know, of course, America's up there, but uh, and we look to America because of its it's the it's the great experiment of liberty and freedoms and that. Uh, but I think we, we we've sort of in Australia we sort of get that get that right and we get that they get that culture right the, uh, the thing that made me uh, uh, it was to me was the realization that I was actually uh, uh, you know I always knew I was a conservative but I, but the realization that uh, that is all very well to to be a conservative and and, and uh, just go through life and that but I have a passion for my you know, fellow Australians and that about, because uh, uh, we're under constant attack at the moment about our culture and about who we are as Australians, and I, and I just wanted, I wanted to defend that, and and and, uh, and so uh, when uh, uh, Scott Morrison, the Prime Minister, rang me up and said, I heard that you're, you know, you're, you know, because I was talking to people about it, I think, gee, what am I going to do in regards? And I said, he said, if, he said, if you're thinking about running, I want you to run. The Liberal Party, and mm -hmm. and to me, 
I, it's funny because being of my conservatives, I suppose I would have been a bit more of a, a national type person. But uh, you're the, always welcome. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you get, in fact, I had many conversations with us. In fact, because coming from the country too, I, I was born in Grafton, and, and uh, half my life has been in the bush. You know, it's, you know, thirty-five years of my life I spent in the bush, and so I was very much aligned with that. And uh, and so when he made the offer. Look, I I thought I liked I liked uh, Scomo, I liked the Prime Minister because I had worked with him when I was working with Abbott and and um, and Malcolm Turnbull as as the chair of the Prime Minister's advisory Indigenous Advisory Council, mm. and I was always impressed with him. And so when he came and he sat down and had a cup of tea with me, but I still dragged it out. In fact, I didn't. I remember it was a, this a phone call I got. I, I was in Perth at the time doing some work. Uh, I was over there to see uh, Andrew Forrest and that because Andrew Forrest and that we get on quite well and we do work together in the mining industry. And he, he I got this phone call at 6 a.m. in the morning because, and I picked up the phone and I said, I said, well, hello. And it was Phil Curry uh, uh, from the Fin Review. And he said, he said, Warren, you're running for Gilmore. And I went, and of course I was still half asleep. I was just having a cup of tea and breakfast. And he said, and I said, sorry, what, what are you talking talking about where's Gilmore and and he said and then I of course I knew where Gilmore was but I was still half asleep and hadn't registered with me and he goes you I heard uh, Gilmore and I said what do you how do you know I'm running for Gilmore and he said oh because the, the uh there's polling being done and and someone rung my house and I and your name is one of the names they dropped in and I said oh I said good on you Phil uh, but so then I I I Thought about it and thought about it because the most important thing about politics, is, as you as you and every other politician knows, is when you go into it, you, it's just not you. Your family comes with you. And I was very, very conscious about my family and uh, how they'd be treated because I know that the Labor Party and the left wouldn't be too friendly and, and, and they're not too... You know they're not too subtle about it. Not only attacking you, but yeah. and that hurts your family too because your kids and that don't like you see the said things said about you, but also um, they they're not they're not uh, shy about attacking your family as well. So we had to have a good conversation about that before I decided to run. All right. Yeah. Well, you raised a couple of things there. Mm. Um, one about the US, uh, which um, you know. It is the great experiment, but at the moment the experiment seems to be going a bit awry. Uh, yeah. Obviously, we've got uh, a country that's, um, well, I don't want to overstate it, but it seems to be what's playing out in our screens, uh, a country that is at, is at odds with itself. Um, and uh, really what we've got is the militant Marxists out on the streets yeah. um, hiding under the guise of, of Black Lives Matters or the BLM movement, uh, which, which is a Marxist organisation. Correct. Now, I, I don't want to um, fall into the trap, Warren, of asking you questions that are all about uh, uh, black affairs or Aboriginal affairs, but I, I, I would like to get your opinion on the BLM movement because this movement, unbelievably, came to Australia. Um, you know, it was, a, it was an event that was triggered by uh, a shooting by a police, or not a shooting, but it was triggered by previous shootings, I guess, and mm -hmm. by the incident that happened to uh, uh, George Floyd, uh, well, as American police officers. And I don't deny, actually, that there is an issue with heavy-handedness yeah. um, in the US police force in general. It seems to me 
there's an overall issue with heavy-handedness. I've seen some horrific yeah. videos. But again, probably by the minority of police officers. Yeah. And I'm sure that there's racism in the police force, just like there's racism within the general population. But again, I'm sure that it's not systemic. It's a minority of police officers that uh, that engage in that. But that was a US incident, not an Australian incident. And then suddenly we saw uh, scenes in this country here of the likes that uh, haven't been seen in a while. I mean, uh, uh, again, just like the American press, it was mostly styled by our press as peaceful, but there was violence there. There was violence. You only yeah. have to look a little bit on the internet to see it. Mm. So what do you make of all of this, Warren? Well, look, it seems to be a, a, a big move, especially in Western societies. And when I'm talking about Western societies, I'm talking about the, the Western uh, democracies in that. And I include Japan, South Korea and Taiwan and countries like that in, in that as well. And some uh, South American countries, because we're, we're, we're all part of this uh, this democratic, uh, you know, capitalist uh, movement. Uh, that has done so much for the world and have done so much for people uh, of all races and all creeds and everything as well. Look, in America, these people have always been around. The issue that I, and in Australia too, the issue, but they've been a minority. They've been, they've been sort of working under the shadows and when they did something, people said, oh, you're a bunch of idiots, just go away. But what's happened now is is I just find the, uh, and it is the left parties, like uh, the Democrats and uh, in, the, in the Labor Party and the Greens, especially the Greens that here, uh, who have um, allowed them now to get a, a soapbox to, to operate off. Before when they went out and rioted, we sent the police in, arrested them, took them off the courts, and the courts decided what to do with them and that. And, and, and that was the end of those things. But now what's happening now, I just cannot believe that it's something like 90-something days uh, that in a row, consecutive days in a row, that Portland has had riots. It, that, is just, that is unheard of. And it's, and it's because it's not because... I, 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 I do blame the rioters. I do, blame, do, do believe that we have to have strong law and order and safety within our community. But the reason why I think it's gone crazy now from my observations is that the Democrats have let them get away with it. You know, like the, like when they set up a CHOP or CHAZ, whatever it was in Seattle, the mayor just thought it was, said, come out and said, oh, it's just a summer of love. Well, you know, like this is, and, and yet these people were burning things down. They were, they were like, right. attacking people on the streets and I don't know what sort of love she got, but that's a bit weird to me, you know, and but it happened across the country, and and but uh, you know, and, and then it uh, and it's continuing to this day. Now, I, I I have a great faith in 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 humanity, in people, uh, in that they're not they're not stupid. When they see someone coming down the street and burning houses down, they're not they're not going to be supporting them or voting for them. And I and th and I'm starting to see this in the Democrats now. They're doing this backflip. And trying to blame Trump for all this stuff. No. In actual fact, it was their own mayors in these towns and their own governors. You're listening to Conservative Wine. Now, getting back to the police, yes, the police, it's like what I say about Australia, 
I say about every country, every country in the world has their their, their races and their and their fools and their troublemakers, but there's such a tiny minority in that of, of the population. So so when people say, "Oh, I had a racist experience yesterday," and, they, and then they turn around and say, "Oh, so the, Australia must be racist," I said, "Don't be stupid. Look at Australia. Uh, you know, we've got we've got Aboriginal people here, Torres Strait Islander people here. We've got all these migrants that come here, especially after the Second World War and that." And and they worked hard, and they and they you know and they did, and they contributed to the development of Australia. You know, and we had these incredible uh, British institutions, uh, you know, the Westminster system, the, the rule of law, and the and the judiciary, and how it operates, and stuff like that. Look, yeah, sometimes it gets it wrong, but uh, but not ninety nine point nine percent of the time it gets it right, and and also when it gets it wrong, it has the structures in place. To correct that, hmm. you know, the correction takes time, but it does. So you would reject the notion, as um, some white white leftists who remain anonymous in Parliament said mm -hmm. to me, that that our judicial system and our police system and our correctional system in Australia is inherently racist. They believed it was systemic, systemically racist. Would you reject that? Why? I don't only reject it. I think you'd have to be stupid to be saying that. You'd, well, you'd, look, you'd be you'd surprised look. at who was saying it. Uh, but 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 I, I pushed back and I said, for it to be systemically racist, you you would have to then believe that the policies that drive those institutions are racist, the people in the leadership of those institutions are racist, and the vast majority of the people within them. A racist, and uh, when someone says it's systemically racist, that's what they mean. Yeah. That it has to be majority racist, and the policies and procedures and rules driving the outfit of racist is just wrong. Uh, and, and when they're talking about they're against racism, they're anti-racist, and then they turn around and say uh, all white people are racist, I sit there and go, wait a minute. You know, you're saying they shouldn't treat Aboriginal people badly and they shouldn't be caught uh, abusing Aboriginal people and stuff like that. And yet you just turned around and used a racial slur by saying all white people are racist. And that is just absolute nonsense. Not all white people are racist. Not all black people are racist. Not all brown people are racist. Not all yellow people, whatever. You know, they're not all racist. Most people are decent living people and all they want to do is make sure that their family's safe, uh, they, they got a job, and they're trying to and they're trying to build the future for the, for themselves. That's what the, that's what the, they mm. care about, and and also they all get on quite well. You know, it, people do get on quite well, and and even you know they might you know very Aussie, you know, uh, thing of taking the piss out of each other and laughing and having you know and cracking jokes because you know they you know whatever race or background you do come from. Now I come from an Aboriginal Irish background, mm. uh, and so that probably explains my drinking habit. But the so it's just you know we just people don't take jokes anymore. I just I reckon you know, I, I just find this totally bizarre. You know, like, like people make Irish jokes, people make other jokes. They do this stuff, and now today, you know, you, you likely it's almost like they bring the pitchforks out and the fire sticks and, and drag you out of your house and set, and beat you up. Yeah. This the vast majority. This, but I, I, my think concern is and like. In America, New South, uh, New South Wales, Queensland, Australian police are a bit different uh, in that because we have state police, state yeah. and territory police. And I think that works in our favour better because then you have this better training system. 
The problem with the United States that I see with some of these police, 90, again, 99% of them are really great police officers and they're in, in the club, you know, bumped into them on the street and had a chat with them and that when I'm in America and stuff, they're really decent people. But because every town and every county has their own police, it, it's, it's just mind-boggling how many police yeah. They're over there. And so that's why I think there's a problem about some of this training stuff. It's easily yeah. fixed. Uh, I think they can fix it easy. Uh, but in, uh, it's, but this idea of going around singing out, you know, defund the police, they're all racist and we all should kill a police officer, that which I was reading in Chicago, these gangs were going out attacking police. It's just total nonsense. And this is why, this is why I've got a belief that Trump is going to win this. A couple of things you know about election. One, it's always it's always about the economy. You know, the people are concerned about have I got a job tomorrow? Can I mm-hmm. feed my kids? Can I do this? Uh, and uh, about law and order, no one's going to come to my house, kick the door, and and and, and steal my furniture or my car. And that. they're the two big ones. And then everything else, you know, comes into play, but at a, a lower level. And and so it, I just cannot see how you know, uh, and I've seen it in the polling changes even though i don't trust the polling that much uh it's in the conversation i'm having with some of my american friends is i, I think trump will win and in i think case, so too he'll win on those two very big issues the yep. economy law and order look at all these police i uh, look and uh, as of all people michael moore I, I come across on him on on twitter and he was he was saying he's got to be the king king of the of the lefties in the united yes, states yeah. He's Bolshevik, and he and he was saying that he was in Minnesota, and he said that the polling was going for 47-47. Now Minnesota is a is they got colours back the front over there. Red is over here, the lefties, and blue is is the good guys. While over there, it's the uh, it's the the reds, the Republicans, and the blues, the uh, the Democrats. And that, he, it's, it's blue blue Minnesota, and yet it looks like it, it, Trump could pick it up. Yeah, well. Um, I, I'm hearing you, and I'm hearing from my contacts in the US as well that uh, that they were worried for a while, but there's a, a turnaround, and um, they're saying it's just going to be like last time. It's in fact probably even more so because you know you have the Trump stickers on your car, it's going to get vandalised. You have the Trump signs out the front of your house, it's going to get egged. And he said, despite that, their signs up, their signs yeah. going up, and um, you know. It, it, it's actually muted and there's hardly any Biden signs that are up. Uh, and this is throughout small town USA, of course, in the big cities, it's a different thing, but that's what carried Trump last time, the small town USA. So you heard it here first on conservative one, Warren and George agree. It's going to be a huge win, huge win. For Donald yeah, and, J. Trump. I'm looking forward to the Republicans winning uh, both houses as well. Uh, look, I can't believe, you know, and I try and, you know, because I commentate on politics and stuff as well, I try and, you know, uh, look at both sides. And I just I just cannot believe that you can seriously go out there and defend what's happening on the streets in the United States. You can't. And it's going in, it's in the centre of the cities, the, the big centres in the, in the suburbs. Now it's moving slowly out in the suburbs. And, and it's just... I just cannot believe that you know people will support that. And the politicians are the. This is what I can't understand about the Democrats. Yeah, I'm not saying all Democrats are bad now, but I'm just 
But I, there's some great Democrats over the history of the United States. But when you they'd come back and Definitely. they couldn't recognise the party today. It is yeah. it is just dropped all its moral standing and it, and it, it just has this it, this crazy stand in regard to law and order. They've this and when you watch the Democratic uh, National Co uh, Convention, all it was is the only thing they come up with was this Trump delusion stuff. Yeah. We hate Trump. No future, no vision, no nothing to do about the economy, nothing to do about law and order, nothing to do about anything. And and look, you can see that in the suburbs, you can see it out there in the Midwest, and that people are just going to just sitting there going, "We're going to keep our mouth shut because we don't become these these anti-fascists as they call it." And you couldn't get anything more fascist than the anti-fascists in Antifa. And they and they and we and that when it comes to the polling, but this is the one thing I love about. Uh, Western democracy is uh, is that you can keep your mouth shut and, and just fly under the radar, and then when you you got that vote, and when you mm -hmm. go into that polling vote, you can you can you can make massive changes for your country, massive improvements yeah. for your country. You can give you can give the finger to the man, as they say. <laughs> you saw that recently with Boris Johnson. I got this where he he broke through the the red wall, the so called red wall of the north. Everyone look every political commentator across the board said there's no way he, that uh, the conservatives would ever break through that northern you know the coal mining uh you know the hard working people of the north and he did he he, he actually broke through them you saw that in in uh in the united states you saw, you saw that here and and in so what you're seeing is this shift i have this and you saw the vote in western sydney now I, you know, I know a lot of mates who worked in Western Sydney. I worked with them in the factories when I was in Silverwater, and I was about 16, 17. And they, and you look at, and they were like since eighteen ninety two labour voters in their family. You now that is in their DNA. And I, and I went out there for a barbecue in two thousand one. This is about the Howard Battlers. And I was talking to them and having a few beers and having sausages and steak. And then. I've suddenly realised out of about the 20 people that was there, I was the only one who voted Labor at that election. And these people were die-in-the-wall traditional Labor people, workers. And yeah. the thing I've noticed is that the Labor Party has more about symbolism, more about all this crazy stuff in the inner-city type areas than it is about what the working people need. And that's why you see that. Look at Joel Fitzgibbon. I like Joel Fitzgibbon. He's a lovely bloke. But look at the swing against him, and that's Labor country. The swing in the western suburbs of Sydney, Labor country. I, I believe that the, the coalition has great opportunity to pick up these Labor seats. We've seen it in Queensland. Uh, pick them up and, and talk about the bread and butter issues, that about uh, you know what working people, what people who built this country, the migrants and everyone else did. And, and and defend our institutions. You know, I just find it bizarre uh, that these people are talking about this systemic racism. I, my, that's just, to me, is total madness. I, I think, mm. you know, uh, when you look at the, the, the structures that have been built over the few hundred years about the, the, with the British democracy and that, uh, yes, we did, the United States had slavery, but the institutions were, the able, were able to overcome that and get rid of slavery. Uh, yes, there were the Jim Crow laws and that, but the institutions were there of liberty, freedom, and, and the law and all that, 
in, in democracy, you can get elected and cha they change those things. Same in Australia. You know, we got rid of all the old uh, Aboriginal protection laws and all that. In fact, when people talk about systemic racism and about how bad it is racist today, I say, name me a law that is uh, that is targeting Aboriginal people and uh, to oppress them. Name me a law, and they no, no one can name anything. And I said, well, when I was born in the 1950s, I was born in 1956. There were laws that were against Aboriginal people. But, you know, through, and this is another thing, this is one thing I, 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 I think the Conservatives and the, and the Coalition need to really promote more is the great work they did. 1967, who, who had the 96, which all people rave on about how wonderful that referendum was, who did that referendum? It was, it was the Coalition government. You know, Harold Holt uh, was Sir Paul Hayeslack and all that. They're the ones who did that, to have right. that referendum. What an incredible referendum was. Uh, the, the vote, all Aboriginals getting the vote, you know, uh, that was done by the Menzies government. So, you, so, you know, the first Aboriginal in Parliament. Well, Eric Durrell in, in Queensland. Right, National Party. National yep. Country Party, National Party. Under, under Sir uh, Joe and yep, first, and, uh, first and, on the federal stage. Yeah, first on the federal stage, you know, the, the great Neville Bonner. Neville Bonner. Yeah, and so... So now, if that was it, the Labor Party did that. That that have memorials set up and statues yeah. and songs and dances and that. <laughs> yeah, we we and it's one thing that we do badly on our side. We don't we don't parade our achievements like that uh, so much yeah. because um, I think it's also because we consider them individual achievements. Yes, not achievement not achievements on behalf of a race. It was Neville Bonner yeah. elected. He just happened to be an Aboriginal man. Uh, we don't hold it up that he was elected because he was Aboriginal. No, no, he 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 got there, went through the whole party process of the of the of the Queensland Liberal Party, and uh, and and got and got pre-selected, got done that, and then he was then he was put in Parliament. Uh, it was, and then he was elected uh, a couple of times after that yeah. re-elected. And so, so right. like every other every other one in every other person in this country, he went through all that. So, Warren, final question. Uh, it's a bit of a deep one, and I'm going to tell a little bit of a story first. Uh, what happens, I mean, you've, you've outlined all of why Australia is a very plural society, a society that's not racist, and America too, for that for that yeah, matter. Uh, and and yet, yet we have the riots in the streets over in the US, the protests that have turned quite violent. And the old adage is what happens in the US, um, you know, whether it's three, four, five years down the track happens in Australia. True. Um, and Australia, whether we like it or not, I mean, there was a chequered past in, in regards to, uh, to Aboriginal European relations. Um, I can tell you one, and this is a story I'm going to tell one in my family, my grandmother uh, in her in her twilight years, uh, uh, told me a story. It must have a memory must have sparked in her head uh, when she was quite old, and she told me about when she was on her uh, on her father's cattle property as a young girl. And uh, my my great grandfather, who I never knew, uh, was one of the sort of pioneering families in the Mackay region, right. and uh, had a had a big cattle property and. Uh, there happened to be a young uh, Aboriginal boy that hung around the property from time to time. And uh, my 
grandmother's mother was cooking up a, a pie, a mulberry pie, and uh, it was there on the windowsill and uh, uh, cut up into slices and cooling off. And um, the young Aboriginal boy took a piece of the pie and, you know, uh, it was sort of discovered that the pie had been been hacked into and um, uh, the culprit was there with the uh, with the purple mulberry all over his face yeah. and hand, so it was pretty obvious to see what had gone on. Well, my grandmother told me that my that her father uh, flogged that boy with a with a whip, um, and she said he 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 hid under the uh, he got whipped and he ran and he hid under the the house like a frightened animal would from yeah. you know someone like beating him. Um, but interestingly, I mean that that's a sort of dark side of our history. Yeah. Um, the bright side of her history, the light, uh, my grandmother recoiled in horror at witnessing that. She waited until the father was gone, waited until it had all cooled down uh, and went and asked her mum if she could have a big slice of the pie. Yeah. Uh, she went and took the pie to the boy who was still hiding underneath the house and gave him that pie. And I like to think that that, is sort of the story of Australia. Yes, there was a checkered history, um, but, you know, uh, the right always prevails. And uh, uh, But I fear that there's forces out there that try and use the race relations issue, just like they are in the US, to divide us more and more in this country and that we might have scenes like what's been playing out in the US played out on the streets in Australia, what do you think? Is it possible? It is possible, but we've it, look. Anything's possible, uh, and you look at the United States. You know, the, the, who would have believed that? Uh, the, you know, one of the one of the uh, serious contenders for running the country, uh, a, a political party, would would bow down to this lawlessness and crime being run by a bunch of Marxists. The, the the problem the problem we have is that we 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 after the the fall of the Berlin Wall, which none of us thought would ever happen in our lifetime, it's just mm -hmm. sort of like that wall was just there, uh, uh, and the complete and how quickly it happened. You know, it was you know and the, the great work that Ronald Reagan did to set that up, and and and, and the way it just collapsed, it was just too unbelievable. Is that we we thought, oh well, that's it. It's all over. All, all, the, all the Bolsheviks and the crazy Marxists and that have now Go been on. defeated. But they didn't. They, they, they were. They're like, they're like, they're like vampires. You know, you, you think you stabbed them, and they keep on coming back. They're zombies. And but they've. But also, we underestimate them because look what they're doing in the education system. Uh, you know. I, I just cannot. But I had a, a, a with my with my a son. I had this, a, a discussion, and with uh, he's was what was he fourteen at the time? And in like I work in the mining industry, and I worked in gas pipelines, and and uh, he said to me, he said, "What do you think of the mining industry?" And I said, "Oh, I think the mining industry is good. You know, to help build our civilization. Isn't it? you'd be very hard pressed to find anything that wasn't developed out of mining. You know." Yeah. You know, and he said, what about books? And I said, well, books have to be cut up. They come from paper. They have to be transported by vehicles and all that. That comes from the, from the mining industry. And then he looked at me and said, I thought you'd say that. And like, and he said in that voice, like, you know, and I said, what? 
I said, what's the problem? He said, oh, well, the school teachers tell us that, you know, the mining industry is bad and all that. And I said, so I'm, I'm bad, am I? And he said, no, no, you're not bad. You know, you're just hmm. maybe misguided. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's paying your school fees and it's yeah. kind of hitting you. But anyway, he's grown up now and he's, he talks a lot more sense. But this is what's happening in the school. This idea of all this craziness that goes on, I just cannot believe I sit there and go, what's this nonsense that people are talking about? And you, know, you talk about this gender fluidity and and all this, and you talk about all these other mad things. And also science, that, that, science now is virtually, they trashed it. Uh, you know, it was a very simple thing in, in science. You, you put up a, my high school, I'm not pretending I'm a scientist, you put up your hypothesis and then you, the idea is that then you try and prove it wrong. Now it become, it's, it's become a cheer squad. You you put up this mm. idea and everyone cheers and or they burn it to the ground. One or the other. It's not it's not science at all. Science isn't isn't about you know a popularity poll. It's about facts. It's about mathematics. It's about all that. And yet, th yet here we have all you know people making decisions on how they feel. You know you know you know. I, I just find that bizarre. And and also. When I was growing up, and it was, as I said, I was in the 1950s and 60s, you know, there were, there was laws that was against Aboriginal people. But you would be amazed about how we got in, in a country town, you know, South Grafton, Grafton, the Heads where my mother and that come from. You'd be amazed how people got on, you know. Yeah, uh, people got on and were really, uh, and were, were polite and good to each other. Sure, there were some problems, but again, that's the minority. You know, there was always, we, I don't judge, and this is my little line, I don't judge a, a country by its by its past. I judge a country about how it overcomes the bad parts of its past and works in the good parts of, their, of, of, its, of its country and the institutions it develops. Now, if it wasn't for the institutions in the United States and Britain, because Britain got rid of slavery 30 years before the United States did, if it wasn't for those institutions, they would never have gotten rid of slavery. Mm. That, that democracy, that free. And when you look at the, the founding fathers of, of the United States, there was always a, a dilemma for them. You know, we're talking about liberty. Couldn't you imagine that in the 1700s? Blokes walking around in wigs and high heel shoes and fluffy shirts and that. <laughs> And they come up with this incredible idea, this incredible thing about liberty and freedom and equality and equality of opportunity. And, and, and uh, you know, you, you put you put uh, you, you work you work a day, you get a day's pay and all this kind of amazing, incredible things, which I find really hard to believe when you and you think about the time they put it. So it is a great experiment. Uh we're human beings. We make mistakes sometimes. We we trip over each other sometimes. But uh, you know, I always treat it like you know a rugby league game. You go on the field, you you tackle the buggers, you, you give them a bit of a touch up, and then after the game, you shake hands and have a beer. And this is what we're doing now. Uh, is that you know we as a we, at the, I just find it strange that these young kids are saying, "Oh, this is a terrible time for Aboriginal people." I said, what are you talking about? This has got to be the most freest time for people, for, you know, ever in humanity. And I don't even talk about Aboriginal people. I'm talking about all those people who had to escape from Europe after the Second World War. 
and they come to this country and and they, they got all these freedoms and democracy and mm. and and, if, and and law you know and that and yet people are running around saying, oh this is terrible this is systemic racism well what they're calling about that institutions were the very institutions that gave us some of that gave us those freedoms mm. yeah and so how if they're so systemically racist they're doing a bloody bad job about it i can tell you <laughs> Well, uh, Warren, more power to you. Uh, it's been great to to have you here on my uh, my humble podcast, Conservative One, which is defending traditions and freedom. And we uh, hope that uh, more voices like yours, uh, yours and Jacinta's and uh, others from our great first peoples uh, come out and defending those traditions and freedoms like you've done. Uh, thank you very much, young guy Warren Mundine. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, George. It's really good to be on your show, too. We will decide who comes to this country and the circumstances in which they come. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. You've been listening to the Conservative One Podcast with George Christensen.